Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. It is April 30th, 1994. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? So we've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. We've got some news to talk about. Uh, for those of you that don't know, our show covers television and movies, entertainment news. We talk about everything that is hip and happening. That's right. Everything hip and happening and in the wild and crazy 90s. <laughs> anyway, so, news today. The, uh, the Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding television movie on very thin ice i think it was called it's a ridiculous title wow i don't think it was just called on thin ice i think it was called on very thin ice or (laughs) very thin ice something like that not getting the best reviews in the world gee i wonder why i mean we live in this era of sort of like we talked about with serial mom uh in the the one we talked about serial mom in this era of something happens, some horrible event like this happens, it's a big news story, and it gets immediately turned into a made-for-television movie that airs like a month after the event has happened. But apparently it got some good ratings. Bad reviews, but good ratings. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I think we're going to see more of this type of thing. God, I hope not. Well, that is what happens. As long as there's someone willing to sell the rights to their story... It, uh, it continues to happen. Uh, I was reading in the Los Angeles Times. As you know, I have a subscription to the LA Times. So, yeah. so we can get the, the freshest Hollywood news for you people. <laughs> and they, there was an interesting review about that show, South Central, that started earlier this month on Fox. I don't know if you've seen any of it. Haven't seen it. I don't think I've even heard of it before you told me about it. I don't. I, I haven't seen it either. But I have to say, this review is... I think this review is going to kill this, yeah. this show. Uh, this review is by uh, Dorothy Clark Sams, a teacher living in Los Angeles who lived most of her life actually in South Central uh, in Los Angeles. And, yeah, she basically talks about how the show is nothing but African-American stereotypes and not reflective at all of what it's like to live in South Central. She talks about how the father is absent, there's drugs, the kids are are unruly and foul-mouthed. Um, she talks about how they can't speak proper English, th- you know, things like that. And, you know, her fear is that that young people will take this in and emulate this. And she thinks it's very, it's, it's like, the way she describes it, what it reminds me of is a minstrel show from the old days of vaudeville. Where someone would, where some white person would don blackface and then just do all the stereotypical things that they thought black people, t- you know, talked like. Wow. And be like, oh, hey, hey Massa, you know, like stu- stuff like that. Oh. Yeah, that's that's what that's what uh, minstrel shows were. And that's what that's what it reminded me of, is that basically it's the modern day minstrel show. So not good for black people. Right. Not a good representation. As she points out, 
there's not a lot of representation of black people on TV. So black people will, you know, young, younger, young teenagers, young black people will more likely uh, imitate and try to emulate and not deify, but like hero. I, idolize. <laughs> idolize. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, examples that they do see so that it's even it's particularly harmful yeah. when the few that are out there are stereotypical and really reflective not reflective of actual african-american culture so i completely see that and uh if you get a chance and you have access to the los angeles times i would take i would take a look at this review it's called hard to have respect for south central and it's uh absolutely damning of the show so, Sounds terrible. I'm kind of glad I have not seen it. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, it's nothing I'm terribly interested in, and even less so now. So, we'll not be tuning into uh, that on Fox. Right. I mean, not that Fox Fox is a joke of a network anyway. But hey, they have uh, Married with Children. Yes, they have Married with Children, The Simpsons, and that's it. And and I love Married with Children. Yeah, and Herman's Head. Herman's Head's okay. The Simpsons are okay. But Married with Children is awesome. Uh, anyway, so on to our TV pick of the week. 90210 continues. Yeah, we're continuing our 90210 coverage. So take it away, Carol. If you've all been waiting with bated breath to find out who got cast as the lead in this play, <clears throat> sorry to disappoint. Um, but you're not finding out this week. Because they're carrying it over to another episode. I think that this is kind of ridiculous at this point. They like to milk this stuff. So, the whole thing was basically the girls, you know, fighting over this part and the auditions and the drama. And um, it wasn't, I don't know. So, the main players are Brenda Mm -hmm. and... Kelly. Kelly. Laura... Right? I think that's her name. Um, who, the date rape girl. Yeah, date <laughs> date we, rape as Laura. As we have come to call her. And there's one or two other girls that, you know, they, they're there. They're, yeah, they, they. I think there's one scene where they're sitting in chairs. Yeah. And that's, they don't have any lines, and that's all we, that's all we see of them, and after that, they don't matter. So, um, in the end, uh, Kelly drops out. Even though she was doing like what seemed to be a really good job, yeah, they uh, the director seemed to be very much enamored with her. Yeah, I mean, when she was done auditioning, he said like, "Well, there, there's an actress, or she's an actress, or something." Which I don't know if you're having an audition where other people are in there watching. I think it's kind of shitty to give feedback like that because <laughs> I mean, that's gonna get in other girls' heads. But yeah, <clears throat> maybe he maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he wanted to motivate them to do better. Maybe. I don't know. The the times that I have auditioned, they've been nice enough to uh, have a closed studio. So you, know, yeah. you just go in individually, and, and I think that's better. Um, then also, let's see. Andrea it ends up on bed rest. That's all you've got to say about the... Uh, the. Well, you watched it with me. you got more to say. <laughs> go ahead. You usually do a better job running down the show. Sorry. I think maybe you were half paying attention. I was paying attention. Okay. I'm tired. I'm, I'm not great today. I'm sorry, guys. 
Well, somebody cut me up. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess that's on me. Mm-hmm. Kelly, um, Kelly dropped out, and the the director basically begged her not to. Yeah, that's true. He did. And she decided that she doesn't want to be an actress. And it, you know, she comes and tells Brenda that she's dropping out. And she says, why? You know, and she says, I don't really want to be an actress. And she said, why did you put yourself through this? And she talks about how she was, every time that Brenda got something, she thought she was getting left behind. Mm -hmm. Things like that. And then Brenda says, you know, well, you can come help me, help me, you know, rehearse and everything. And so she does. And it just, it strikes me, you know. She seems to, at least it's hard for me to tell. I can't tell if an actor is good or bad when they're pretend, when they're an actor pretending to act right. in a show. But they seem to indicate that she had a lot of talent. And I think it's kind of shitty of Brenda to just be like, oh yeah, go ahead and, and don't explore any of that talent because I want this part. Right. But we'll see later how how much she wants this part. <laughs> Okay, yes, you've reminded me. So, I mean, but that's not in the episode. I know, that's why I said we'll see later. Okay, so anyways. Take the the auditory cues. Andrea. Yeah, Andrea. She she ends up going into labor. Yeah, she's she's pregnant. Well, we we should all know that at this point. Yeah, but it's funny because they, you know, she's... She's going through a geriatric pregnancy because <laughs> she is clearly a 45-year-old woman, even though she's supposed to be 21 years old. She's She looks like she's maybe in her early 30s. Yeah. I don't think she looks high-risk pregnancy. that old. But Anyways, she yeah. starts going into premature labor, even though she's the size of a house. <laughs> right? Yeah, she's like, I think I'm losing the baby, and we're like, yeah. I, uh. I said, uh, I said, yeah. At this stage, losing the baby is called birth, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so apparently she's only six months pregnant. So they stopped the labor, and she's on bed rest. And this, let's see, her and Donna had gotten in a fight right before that. So you know, Donna feels all guilty, like maybe she caused it. Be- yeah, Donna is upset because Andrea is no longer a virgin. They apparently they were some. I, I haven't watched the show, so if you also haven't been keeping up on the show, then you'll identify more with me than Carol, <laughs> who's been keeping up on the show. But apparently they had some sort of weird pinky swear blood oath. <laughs> we'll be virgins uh, forever uh, thing because she's married and you know and she's pregnant, which is a normal course of things, but. She broke the will be virgins with Tori Spelling, who I'm sure is a virgin in real life. Oh my goodness, you are so mean. She is not that ugly. I mean, she's a little ugly. (laughs) She looks like an alien. She looks like (laughs) an anorexic alien because her head is probably three times too big for her body. She, She should weigh 180 pounds. Or something like what that. What the heck? That's to to fit her head, her body, her body style. She should be. I'm not saying fat. Maybe 180 pounds is too much. I don't know. She should weigh. I don't know how tall she is. That's a big factor. She should weigh more than she weighs. She she's too skinny, and 
that makes her look freakish. See, I thought she was a butterface. Because <laughs> I thought she had a nice body. Yeah, her body's fine. But, but not her face. Yeah, her body's fine, but not with that head. But you it's can't. Not a whole head, but not you can't. Yeah, yeah you can't just chop her head off <laughs> and replace that with a better head for the body. She's not a Barbie doll. Put a paper bag over it. Uh. I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, so I don't think, first of all, that Andrea was married and then got pregnant. I think she got pregnant and then got married. Oh, okay. Now, again, this happened when I was not watching. Scandalous. I believe that is the event of things. That never happens in real life. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's kind of weird for her to be mad at her about that. They're, they're in college. Especially now. And Donna lives with her boyfriend. So and doesn't have sex with apparently, him. Apparently, yeah. No wonder he wanted to sleep with the blind girl. Oh, yeah, that's right. She's dating Brian Austin Green, right? Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. He's not getting any... That's sad. I feel bad for him now. I feel bad for Brian. <laughs> I feel bad for his character. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can see why he's lusting after blind women. And, okay, okay, so then now Brandon, Brandon and Claire, they have uh, quite a bit to do with this episode. As oh, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Priestley and unnamed girl that kind of looks like you. She does not look like me. This is the first time that I saw an episode with Claire in it. So last last time we talked about Claire, Carol had mentioned that uh, that Claire was attractive. And then I saw her and I was like, oh yeah, I know why you think she's attractive. She looks just like you. So what are you saying? I'm conceited? No, I'm just saying that, you know, you recognize good looks when you see them. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I don't think she looks like me. I mean, maybe she looks like me if I got my hair cut short and lost a bunch of weight, but... And, I don't know. Anyway. And had plastic surgery to look exactly like Claire from <laughs> 90210. Right. So, anyways, um, she tricks Brandon into taking her to her senior prom by telling her dad that Brandon is taking her to her senior prom. Yeah. That's almost accurate, but yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Please, feel free. Step in. No, no. Continue. Continue. I mean, I guess it's a reveal for our listeners later. They don't go to the prom. Okay. But, I mean, that's what she told her dad. Yes. And, and it's an after party, basically. I guess. Oh, is that what it is? The, the, what, where they go is a prom after party? Yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah, and they just skipped the prom. I mean, all those kids were dressed like they were going to the prom. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, I mean, that was that was my assumption. Uh, that's probably a good assumption. So, yeah. I guess I was the one not paying full attention. There you there, go. So. See? Shay? <laughs> Shay here? Shut up. Oh, I'm gonna say. And you know, I'm saying this whole time how bad I feel for Brandon. Yeah. Because she is all over him and he does not want her. I feel bad for her because she has a mental illness that's not being treated. You seem to be jealous of Brandon. I was. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. They're no. like, oh yeah, I feel real bad for him. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I feel bad for him because I'm not, I'm not jealous, but I feel bad for him that, uh, you know, he has some uh, chick that wants him. Yeah, but look how crazy she is. She is pretty crazy. And that doesn't mean he can't have sex with her, but that she is crazy. I think he's very smart for not having sex with her. 
I think that would open a can of worms that you don't want to open. Probably. Because he can't just completely, you know, like, I don't know what's a good word for it. He can't, he can't completely cut off all contact with her. Just like, like, like he died. Like, right. he, like he became a ghost. He can't, he can't ghost her. He can't hit it and quit it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because again, apparently she stalks the uh, the college campus, even though she's still in high school. Right, and he works for his dad, for her dad. Oh yeah, that's right. Forgot about that too. Yeah, I mean that's what makes this so hard. It would be a lot easier for him to get rid of her if he didn't have to be nice. But he has to be nice. Yeah. So you know, and the thing is too, one of his big objections though was that her dad. He was, like, worried what her dad would think. And her dad was all about it. He even said, hey, you know, you don't need to worry about it. I'm totally supportive of you dating my daughter. Yeah. And yet he still didn't want to date her. Because she's insane. Yeah. But it also kind of shows I think he was lying when he said that. I I just don't think he likes her. Yeah. But he won't be honest about it. He's tried. He tries at the end of this episode. (laughs) He does. (laughs) That's just desperation. Um... So then, okay, so they're at this after party, and first of all, she's trying to get him drunk. Yeah. And he's like, I don't drink and drive, because apparently he had an issue with that, too. He got in some kind of car accident. I think they've all been alcoholics at one point or another. Right? Because apparently Luke Perry's an alcoholic. I didn't, well, Luke Perry's character's an alcoholic. A recovering alcoholic. I didn't realize that, but they bring it up in this show. Yeah. Um, And she gets trashed and starts flashing guys off the balcony of this hotel room now was she really flashing them mm-hmm. I she didn't... was lifting up her dress oh okay showing her underwear well i mean i didn't see boobs i i don't know what the guys below her saw how far did she lift up her dress i don't know because i don't weren't you watching i don't know i was doing something else i, I wasn't fully paying attention but uh i i remember they were out the balcony there's the, the two girls are cat-calling guys, you know, that are downstairs. And I guess she flashed him. I don't know what she did exactly. Yeah, she was lifting her dress. I don't know how far up it went okay. either. Gotcha. Um, and they also poured their drinks on them. Yes. Which was really dumb. Like, it was all... The whole thing was dumb. The whole thing was dumb, but I think it could have been written off as, you know, innocent playfulness. Uh, kind of innocent playfulness. But then they pissed them off. Right. So they come up there, and these stupid people are like, oh, we'll just pretend we're not here and be quiet. Like, there was a fucking raging party. Like, they're right. just going to they're all gone. They're like, oh, we want to we want to come into the party. We were invited. <laughs> Which they technically were. And Jason Priestley's like, no, go away. It's a private party. So they kick the door in. Right. Yeah, that's, that's how you want to come to a party. And we see that the lead guy big you know hulking guy is from and you didn't re- recognize him but from major league two yeah that's because i fell asleep during that <laughs> he's the catcher that can't throw the ball back to the pitcher without reciting the victoria secrets catalog in his head <laughs> yeah so then what what did brandon say that got him uh, in trouble there I don't know. He said he said go away. I don't know. I don't know. They they end up punching him in the face. Yeah. So then then the security come in and kick everybody out. Now this is where I was confused. Oh, it was the girl. That's what it was. It was Claire. She's is that's her name, Claire. Yeah. She starts laughing, and he goes, "Oh, you think I'm a joke?" 
and then he and then punches Jason Priestley. This is what this is the this now it's hard to be a woman. I I, I concede that. But this is one of the things that's hard to, about being a guy is that some women, not you, but some women think that it's okay to you know tease and egg on some big dude while they're with their guy. Uh, and then the guy's got to deal with it. Right, yeah, that's not cool. And you look at you look at this dude and you look at Jason Priestley and it's like, yeah, Jason Priestley does not stand a chance. The guy, the guy, the guy looks like a monster. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he gets punched in the face yeah. and a fight ensues. And the only reason that Jason Priestley doesn't get murdered <laughs> is because the, the hotel detectives show up. <laughs> right. So they kicked everybody out and they are so lucky. Because, I mean, how much underage drinking is going on in that party and all they did was kick them out? Yeah, true. Now, maybe I zoned out for a second because I, I kind of missed how this occurred, but I think this hotel room actually belongs to Claire. Yeah, it's her room. Now, I don't understand because when they showed up, all these people were already there. I think she just, she booked the room. Okay. I think that's, I think it's just under her name. Because they kick everybody out but them. Yeah, and because she's the... The, the legal occupant now, of the room. Now, not that I would know by personal experience or anything. But, mm-hmm. I know, you know where you're going. If if you have a hotel party and it gets broken up by the hotel, you don't get to stay. They're going to kick your ass. Yeah. One. Two. How old do you have to be to rent a hotel? Is it 18? 18. Okay. Well, it depends on the hotel. Some of them it's 21. Yeah. So, I mean, she is 18. So, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, not everyone there was 18, I'm sure. But Oh, no. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so they kick everyone else out and they, you know, they she says, "Well, I'll call my dad to take care of the damages." Because apparently they have to pay for the damages even though these Neanderthals kicked the door down. Right. And Well, yeah, cuz it's in her. Not that I would know by personal experience yet again, but when someone does something in your hotel room, and your name's on the hotel room, you're responsible. But they were on the outside, and they kicked the door in, and they had the people there. And they just said, if you'll leave quietly, you know, we'll let you leave. They should have called the cops. Yeah, they should have. But anyway, so Jason Pussy says, no, we're not calling your dad. I'll take care of it. And I guess everyone left some money, but they were $300 short. I don't know how much this this damage costs. It's a, it looks like a fancy hotel. I want to know how they had time to estimate the cost of the damages there and then while kicking everybody out from this party. Yeah, I'm not sure. It doesn't make, I mean, the whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense. You, the, you would think they'd get billed later. Right. But anyway, so. With Jay, the warrant. Jason. The bill would come with the warrant. Right. So Jason Priestley's got to, got to come up with the other 300 bucks. And his family's rich, so I'm sure it's not hard for yeah, him. Yeah, he probably just has a credit card he threw it on. But anyway, so, because he doesn't want her to call her dad. Why? Because then he'll know that they didn't go to the prom and they were at this party. Oh, yeah, that would look bad. He's at a hotel with her. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's the conclusion of that story until the very end, anyway. Yeah. So, okay. So then going back to these auditions. Now, Kelly has coached Brenda. She's worked real hard. Um, For a day. She's coached her. Yeah. Ian Ze- Well, no, she coached her before, too. Ian Ziering's character has been working with Laura. Yeah. Do you think he's... Well, I guess he's not friend-zoned. No. Because they, they were, were making, making out. out. Yeah. He was making out with the date rapist. Or the date... I the, don't get the it. The date rape yes. accuser. Yes. 
Um, I'll tell you, I don't think he's charming enough to be a date rapist. What? What, what is charming about date rape? What are you? Go- where are you going with this, man? Well, well, if you think about it, a date rapist has to be way more charming than a regular rapist. Because, you know, you have to actually get them to, to go back to, you know, your place or their place or something like that. They just You just can't close the deal. But you've got to... You gotta get them there. So you have to have some amount of charm. I don't think he's even charming enough for that. Wow. Well, I mean, he has a lot of natural uh, deficiencies to overcome. <laughs> like his face and his personality. Outing outing gay people left and right. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save you from yourself here. Okay. And we're gonna move on. So, he's yeah. been coaching her. Yeah. And he gave her his mom's dress. That she wore when she played this role. Yeah, luckily they're the same size. Right. And um, Brenda, also wearing a pretty white dress. Yeah. You know? um, it looks like it's only the two of them at this point auditioning. Yeah. Apparently the other three killed themselves or something. Well, the other two and then I Kelly dropped out. I don't know what happened right. to them. Like I said, they sat in chairs for one scene to make it look like other people were auditioning. Now, the director calls Laura first. Yep. And again, like I said, fucking get into people's heads. She does an amazing job. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she does She does a job. Once again, I can't tell if it's good or not because it's an actress pretending to be an actress. <laughs> and uh, when it's Brenda's turn, she clams up and she messes up her lines. and Doesn't do it well at all. No. I can tell that that's a bad... Actually, Shannon Doherty, for as much crap as I give her, I think is probably a pretty good actress. Yeah. Because I think it takes a good actress to believably be bad acting and she's believably bad acting yeah. it's not an over-the-top fumbling with lines and you know and all that stuff and everything it's a very believable nervous somewhat trained actress just not doing a very good job reading the lines she does a really she really sells that it's probably the best acting the best acting if ironically in the episode is her acting like a bad actress Wow, you actually complimented Shannon Dory. I know, it's crazy. I'm glad crazy. I have it on tape. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, she asked if she can start over. The whole thing's just no good. So, you would think at this point that Laura has it. Yeah. But, apparently he still has not made up his mind because at the end of the episode, Shannon Doherty's character, Brenda, shows up at his door. Yeah, she's got a... A big white trench coat on. And you think she's probably naked under... That's what I thought. Yeah, me too. I thought she was going to be naked underneath it. And they would just do that thing where they show her from the back. The camera goes. Because obviously they can't show nudity. Because it's, you know, network television. But uh, they... You know, where they... The camera would pan towards the back. She'd let it go. And you'd see the top of her shoulders. Yeah. And there'd be nothing there. So you'd... It implied really that she's naked. You really spent a lot of time thinking about uh, how, how, how they would make her look naked, huh? No, I've just, I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen that a p- bunch of times uh-huh. in in television where they can't show nudity. It's a, a classic shot. Um, or you shoot them from the front, but it's like neck up. It's like collarbone mm-hmm. up, and there's nothing there. But instead, she's wearing a very tiny dress. Yeah, black, low-cut dress. Mm-hmm. And she, basically, she says... I want to, you know, I know you don't believe in second chances, but I want to show you that I can be Maggie the cat and 
he says, okay, let's, you know, let's see what you got. And she takes off her thing and it's got the dress on. And she walks in. It heavily implied that she's going to sleep with him because she's at his house. And he looks like that, too. I mean, the look on his oh, face yeah. is like the cat that got the canary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's the cat that's going to swallow the canary. <laughs> yeah, that's really gross, huh? And um, at the very, very, very end of the episode. No, that was the very, very end. But anyway. Yeah. That's the very that's the very last thing that happens, and then we're left on a cliffhanger till next week. However, there is one more thing. Claire shows up at, at campus looking for Brenton. Yeah, right after the auditions are done. And um, you know, he asks how how did you find me? How did you know I was here? And she's like, "Oh, I stopped by your house. I asked your parents." Yeah, she's a stalker. Right. And he's like, "Don't stop by my house. Don't ask my parents. Don't." He basically said, "You know, don't talk to me." Don't be around me, and then we'll get along. <laughs> yeah, we'll get along as long as I don't have to hear or see you. Right. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty harsh. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't like attempt suicide or something because she is so crazy. And it's a soap opera, basically. So yeah. It's not a soap opera. Okay, so we had a setup of something two episodes ago where you know who's gonna get the part and then we went through an entire episode where we didn't get a resolution to that and then hopefully the resolution will be next episode that's classic soap opera oh you know what else i forgot though there was another motivation for kelly to drop out of this play yeah besides brenda yeah uh dylan luke perry's character oh i thought he was being a jackass i thought you meant dylan thomas the poet sure he was being a jackass the whole time okay I really don't know what his issue was. I think he's jealous. I think he knows the reputation of this director and he doesn't want her to get too close to him. You think so? I don't know. Maybe he still loves Brenda. I I haven't watched the show enough to know. Because he talks about Brenda a lot. He does. Yeah, I mean, Kelly's right. He does kind of take her side a lot over Kelly. Like, she said to him, Brenda has you. Laura has Steve. Who do I have? Steve. God. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to make it very long. I don't know. It's uh, definitely questionable. But uh, there's, there's another interesting uh, thing with uh, with Dylan Thomas. I mean, uh, Dylan uh, McCaffrey. What's his name? Dylan Dylan Searchlight. I, Luke Perry's character. I, I don't gonna, know his last name. I'm going to call him Dylan Searchlight. Uh, anyway, so Dylan Searchlight oh, uh, goes to the, the beach with Kelly and... He meets up with this environmental scientist who is taking water samples of the ocean and all the crap that's in it and everything. And I think he's supposed to be trying to bioengineer some algae mm. that can eat this stuff and, and basically fix the planet. It goes absolutely nowhere. They have a two-minute walk on the beach where they talk about environmental disaster. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because, you know, uh, it's been earth earth day you know or or whatever recently or or why why exactly they're doing this but it goes absolutely nowhere it's a little environmental message thrown in and nothing's done with it you kept saying you thought he was gonna die yeah i thought he was gonna die because his wife was like she's not his wife his girlfriend his girlfriend well they have kids no she has a kid he is dating her oh this is a character that's been established 
Oh, okay. I well, mean, it, that uh, would have that would have changed my that would have changed my opinion on what that he was gonna die if I'd known he was a character that was established. I mean, none of them are like main characters, but yeah, this is uh, Dylan's half sister. Okay, is the little girl that's her mom and her mom's boyfriend. So that's Dylan's mom. No. Well, then how is she half sister? That's Dylan's dad. Dylan's dad's sister, or Dylan's Dylan's dad's daughter. Okay, so that he's not, that that dude is Dylan's dad. No, because he's not the father of this little girl. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so wait, Dylan's dad was with that 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 woman after he was she was with Dylan's mom, Apparently. and that's his child. Yes, gotcha. So is Dylan's dad dead? I don't know. Okay, you know we we have a friend. That has come to me because they listen and, and they're like, you know, you don't know much about this show and you should ask questions. And I never realize how much we don't know until we get on here. So uh, we have questions. I think it's funnier not to know. <laughs> yeah. But if you if you want to write to us and uh, you know the we'll, we'll you know you can just write to the school and uh, we'll get it. But because <laughs> uh, I'm not giving out my address on here. Right. But anyway, so. Uh, yeah, so I would have not thought he was going to die then if, if that, because I was looking for, I was looking for it to go somewhere uh-huh. and she was like, oh, you know, I'll, you'll be back in an hour. Can you live without me for an hour? And so, like all this stuff mm. seemed to be implying that he wasn't coming back. You know what the, the point of it was, where it went, was Kelly got left with Dylan's little sister and her mom. For an hour on the beach when she came to see him and she was pissed. Okay. That was the point. That was the point of it. And then we get a, a little, a little not doing enough, um, environmental message. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that was the episode of 90210. What'd you think of this episode? Um, I mean, like I said, I'm just, I'm really disappointed that it ended on another cliffhanger. I really wanted to know who, who was going to get the lead. You know, I don't know how much longer this show's going to go, mm-hmm. but we'll have to come up with another show that we talk about week to week at some point. I, I'm going to try to find one that I can talk about week to week as well, so we can we can expand this a little bit. So that too. this isn't just 90210 show, yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, we're going to talk about a movie that we yeah, watched, a but movies, but, but yeah, it's not it's not just 90210. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did um, the. You know, I thought about... What was it called? It was called uh, search, Saved by the Searchlight. Bell. Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Yeah, I was doing Saved by the Bell, but they canceled it. I know, but I'm just saying, I mean, when you were doing Saved by the Bell, I did other stuff. But I think the difference, too, is, like, those were half-hour shows. This is an hour show, so we end up with more to say about it. I want to I just, I want to find a show that I can watch every week and talk about on here every week. Yeah. Just like you do with 90210. I think you should. So, it's probably not going to be until the fall. Any suggestions, anybody? But it's probably not going to be until the fall because, um, you know, the the shows are about to go off the air. I was thinking about doing Frasier since we're closing in on the end of the first season of Frasier. Oh, I like that show. But Frasier's been reruns, and mm-hmm. I don't think they're coming back. I think I think they're coming back next week. Okay. So maybe I'll do the last few of Frasier, and then, you know, during the summer, obviously, we we'll, it'll all be reruns. So we'll do other stuff, and then when we come back in the fall, you'll do 90210, and I can do something else. I'll look for something. I'm, I'm sure there's a new show that's coming out that will look interesting to us that we can do. Oh, I'm sure. 
Anyway, so now we will move on to our main topic, which is a film number two at the box office that we saw uh, first week that it's been out. Pretty good movie called With Honors. It is better than pretty good. It is honestly one of my favorite movies now. Now, you are more into this movie than I am, so I'm going to have you go through the plot of the movie, and I'll chime in where needed. Okay. So, movie starts out just talking about these four roommates that live together. There's... Um, Brendan Frazier. Yeah, Monty. Yeah, Ma- Montague. Montague. Like like Romeo's last name, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. He was Montague and Juliet was Capula. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they give him the most stereotypical <laughs> old, old money name right? again. And it's funny because he's the only one there that doesn't have money. I thought he did. No. He, I thought they all kind of came from money. No, he's the one that's there on an academic scholarship. Okay. That's why he's the only one who didn't go home for the holidays. Yeah. He's on the phone talking to his mom at one point and, and like, no, mom, no, it's too expensive. You can't call, you know. Right. So, no, he doesn't have any money. Okay, so there's Montague mm-hmm. and uh, a girl <laughs> whose name I can't remember. Uh, Moira Sweeney? Okay. Is her is her character, or is the actress that plays her, right? Sure. And um, you, you, don't, you don't know either, huh? Um, no. Patrick Dempsey. From Can't Buy Me Love. Yeah, he, one he, of my favorite movies. He plays. He's a, a DJ mm-hmm. that lives there that has a sidekick of a rooster. Yep. And then there is this asshole Jeff. Jeff, yeah. Right. Yep. Josh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Um. I don't know. He wants to be a doctor. So anyway, there's. He these, wants to be a gynecologist, yeah. as we find out later. <laughs> so these four are living together, and they're all seniors working on their thesis. Is Thesai. <laughs> Thesai, okay. And um, Monty is upstairs working on his when the power surges. Yeah, well, first, real quick, he sees his student advisor, played by Gore Vidal, the, uh, the political uh, commentator. I, I don't know exactly what to call him. He, he's, he's a political thinker, I guess. He's written a ton of books. I believe he has a regular column. He talks about politics a lot. He's a a uh, liberal or you know more left leaning democratic political uh, guy. He used to, for those of you who can be political geeks like me, he he used to debate uh, William F. Buckley all the time on Crossfire and and stuff like that. Uh, way back when, in the well, not way back when, but you know, in the early to mid eighties. Uh, they did a lot of debates back and forth because William F. F. Buckley's the more conservative guy. But funnily, he plays a more conservative character in this movie. So he, Monty, reads the first page of his... Or the no, he first, doesn't even read it. He recites it from memory. Yeah, the first, the first, the beginning of the first chapter of his thesi, theso... Thesis. Thesis. <laughs> and he... He basically says that the lie of America is that with such a diverse population, there's no way to please everyone kind of thing. There's there's no way to meet everyone's needs. So we basically shouldn't even try. And goes into this thing and, and Gore Vidal's just lapping it up. He loves it. He's like, oh, this is great. You know, because this is exactly his, his worldview, mm-hmm. basically. So 
uh, Monty goes and starts, you know, finishing his Theo uh, at his thesis. What is it? His his disser- his dissertation okay. at the at, at the computer. And go ahead. I don't think it's a dissertation. Unless no, I know it's PhD. PhD. Okay. Yeah. I know. I'm just messing with everyone and you. You know, I, I'm kind of I'm glad that you know these things that I don't know because it adds this other layer that I would have no idea that this was like a tongue in cheek. Hey, look at this super liberal guy in this movie being a conservative. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Anyways, power surges. Mm-hmm. And it fries his computer. And it's kind of weird. Like, I've never seen a computer act like this. I don't know if, if a computer would really do what his computer is doing. Like, it's making, like, weird faces. and. I've seen it, yeah. Yeah? Oh. It, it's, it basically, it means the hard drive's corrupted. Because all of a sudden, he's on he's on his computer. Uh, I know we've talked about that uh, that intranet thing a couple times. And, and by the way, that's... That's a misnomer. What? It shouldn't be called the internet. Because inter means inside. Uh-huh. It should be called intra because it goes from one computer to another. It's it's supposed to it's supposed to connect you with all the other computers in the world, I guess at some point. Uh that's their their ultimate goal. But it connects you with anyone that's on it, right? So it should be intranet cuz intra means means from one place to another just like interstate it shouldn't be interstate it should be intrastate because intra interstates would just stay in the state but interstates go from state to state so they should be intrastates you know how i said i love that you know stuff (laughs) anyway so it doesn't look like he's connected to that thing because i don't see any of the the you've got mail stuff or anything like that but anyway so that would have been a good way to back it up yeah, if you put it in his mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can put files in emails. Oh, interesting. Okay. E- that's electronic mail, right? Right. Okay. You know, you know you have an email address. Yeah, but I don't remember what it stands for. Electronic mail. Yes. Okay, so, uh, email. But he doesn't have any backup. No. Not even a floppy disk. He printed out ten chapters of it. Which, like... That seems, like, insane. I've never written more than, like, I don't know, 20 pages in my life. Well, I've written a book before. I know. I know. You're the writer. But, yeah, a theso is... Thesis! (laughs) Is, is like, basically a book. It's a full novel. Well, not novel. Not a novel, because it's real. It's a full... It's a full book nonfiction book of whatever topic you're talking about and sometimes they get published if they're if they're really good they can get published lots of people's uh you know theologicals have been have been is that what's called theologicals (laughs) she's just staring at me she's not playing along anymore lots of people theses have been have been published so yeah it's a full it's a full book so 10 chapters is a fraction of what it is. Right. But that's the only thing that he's... And I, we're watching the movie, and I, I'm elbowing you, and I'm saying, why didn't he save it on a floppy disk? Why didn't he... Why didn't he print all of it out? Why didn't he... You know, like, you can't just have it on the computer because crap like this can happen. But, the, yeah, the computer gets all, like, garbly, garbly, and the hard drive is destroyed because he didn't... And also... uh I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but also word to the wise out there, everybody, 
if you have a computer and in your house, get one of those surge protector things. It's like a little strip that you, you plug that into the wall and you plug your computer into the strip and that protects it from getting overloaded with electricity if there's like a power outage or a lightning strike or something like that, which prevents this stuff. Right. But if he did any of that, the movie doesn't happen. Exactly. So so then he gets all paranoid and freaked out and wants to go make copies right now of these 10 chapters. Yeah, it's like 10 o'clock at night. And um, it's snowing. It's cold. Where is Harvard? It's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. So it's winter in Massachusetts. Yeah, not good. And um, the girl goes with him to the library. And as he's running in the snow like a moron, he trips. And this is just ridiculous, but again, we wouldn't have a movie if it didn't happen. The um, thesis slips out of his hand. Is that what it's called? I thought it, I thought it was... <laughs> Would you stop? Are we ever going to get through this? Theologicals. Stop it. Okay. Uh, it slips out of his hand and goes down in between the bars into the boiler room. So now he's got to find a way into the boiler room to get the Theo Huxtable back. And he could have just stayed in his in his bed and relaxed and waited till morning, like she said. Yeah. No, no, no. So she goes and um, apparently knows the security guard and tries to distract him so he can sneak into the boiler room. Yeah, she's a frequenter of the library, apparently. It does seem odd, but anyway... I mean, like, why, why wouldn't he just say, hey, my thesis is down there. I need to get it. Yeah. Whatever. It turns out that there is a bum living in the boiler room. Played by... Joe the, Pesci. Yeah, the, the incomparable Joe Pesci. And he immediately attacks him with a fire poker. <laughs> Crazy. Um, he was burning his thesis page by page as he was walking in. Yeah. And... um. And when he's like, hey, stop, he comes at him. But um, he ends up, like, making a deal with him. He says, for everything you give me, I will give you a page. Because he said one, one thing for a chapter. He's like, no, no, a chapter is a, a lot, of, lot things. of things. Right. <laughs> a page is a thing. So the first thing he wants is a pristine glazed donut. Correct. He's talking about the glaze cannot be cracked. No pressure. Yeah, that's that's hard to find. Right. So instead of trying to find this... Well, he does try to find the pristine glazed donut, but instead of trusting that he uh, would accept it, he calls the police. He's like, I'm not going to play this game. This is stupid. Yeah. So the police go and get this poor guy out of the boiler room, and they say, oh, sorry, I can't find it. Yeah, he's hidden it. So he outsmarted him. Mm-hmm. So he goes to court. And in court, he actually does an impressive job of defending himself. Yep. And then I think he actually wanted to go to jail. He argues that, yeah, well, he's probably going to get a meal in jail. Right. He argues that he he can't be held for for trespassing because Cambridge is a land grant uh, college. So technically, he was on public grounds, <laughs> and. That he can't uh, be, you know, convicted of public drunkenness because he was drinking indoors, mm-hmm. and um, he—he's uh, over the legal age. He's over the legal age, and, and all this stuff. But it's funny because if he's on public land, 
like the his two arguments kind of contradict each other right because he was on public land and he was drunk on public land i mean that's not his domicile right. that's not his house because you know you can't you can't have private ownership of public land right so it is sort of Drunkest. Yeah, but I mean, everyone in a bar then would be convicted. Of but that's that's a private case. institution that uh, that they're allowing people to be in. Okay. So that's that's kind of the difference. But he was indoors. I I don't know about the public drunkenness laws. I don't know if you have to be out in view of the public to be convicted of public drunkenness. That might be the threshold. Hmm. Threshold might be you know in clear view of the public, and he wasn't. So he probably would have been able to get himself off. Yeah. But. He decides to be, you know, crazy and insulting and... Uh, Insults the judge. Yeah, so he gets held in contempt of court. $50 fine or what What is 50 it? days. 50 days, yeah. And so Monty is there and offers to pay yep. to get him out because he wants his help with his project or so, whatever. So he pays the $50 uh, fine and, you know, he says, okay, give me my stuff back. And he says no. And then he goes and gets a bunch of papers out, you know, like one quarter and gets takes all the papers out. He's trying to sell them for money. And he insultingly, again, you know, tries to hand him money for the papers. Give him five and bucks for like, the papers. he's like, I'll take them all. And he's like, what do you see when you look at me? You don't see a man, you know. Um, which, you know, I mean, again, it's uh, money is kind of shitty to him. They all are. Yeah. But they're they're insulated college kids that they don't they don't know the real world so they you know begin their their deal again he brings him back to the house where he's living and he has a van broken down in the backyard yeah there's a van broken down in the backyard so he's gonna let him in the winter live in this van that is broken down has no heat mm-hmm. and he looks at the house he's like what's that <laughs> I would prefer that. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great line. <laughs> but he can't let him live there because he doesn't want him in the house. Well, it's not just him, his roommates. Yeah, but at first it's him. At, at first, first he, him, yeah. first he won't even entertain the idea. So <clears throat> he he's giving him food. He gives him a blanket. He And the guy is grateful and he's giving him extra pages. And, right. You know, it seems like things are going all right. They start to... To develop a some sort of weird friendship. Right. He gets him to go to the social security office to apply for disability or whatever. Which he messes around and doesn't. Yeah, he won't even give them his name. Or his date of birth. Right. Where is your... That's a funny scene, too. Where is your proof of birth? I'm sitting here right now. <laughs> um, and so then he takes him to a movie. I mean, yeah, they're definitely becoming friends. And then there's this terrible, terrible storm where it's going to be below zero. Yep. And Monty asks if he can sleep in the cellar. Right. And they won't let him. The the two roommates, the girl and the DJ, are okay with it, but the gynecologist, no. Yeah. He's um a total jerk, and he also wants him to uh, only take one portion because he's been taking double portions to feed him. He should be a proctologist because he's such an asshole. Right. So instead of going out there and telling him the truth that, hey, my roommate's an asshole and won't let you go inside, he lies and says that the boiler or that the cellar is flooded. Yeah. And in the morning, 
finds a note saying you lied again deals off and he's gone he's gone and his thesis is gone you skipped something though. what did i skip you skipped when they when he went to the lecture oh did that already happen yeah oh you talked about that they go to gore vidal's lecture there <laughs> and he, he brings them along with him because they've been walking to class together and everything and talking along the way the movie is a bit slow moving at this at this uh, section of the film but it does a good job of building their relationship yeah so i get it but anyway so he goes to the lecture and he kind of sits in with him on the, this lecture and the first question that gore vidal asks is that he says that the framers of the constitution wanted to have a different form of government than they came from they didn't want a monarchy but did they fail is the president basically an elected king? And Gore Vidal's argument is, I can't remember the, this obviously is not, Mr. Vidal, if you're listening, we know this is not your point of view. <laughs> but uh, I can't remember the character's name, Pitcairn or something Pit like Cannon. that. Pitcannon. Anyway, so he says that the president can destroy the entire world with nuclear bombs, basically, if he wants to, without congressional approval. Because he's allowed to make war for 90 days without congressional approval. So doesn't that essentially make him a elected king? Because no other, no other king or despot or anything of the past could do what the president does now. Yeah. No, no one could destroy the world at the touch of a button before he has this much power. Isn't he, in essence, an elected king? And everyone's trying to argue against that. But they all fail mm -hmm. because, you know, Gore Vidal <laughs> destroys them in debate. But then um, Joe Pesci's character yep. um, is whispering to Monty. Yep. And he gets called out in this huge lecture hall. Yeah. And Gore Vidal is very uh, condescending mm -hmm. to him about being a bum, you know, and everything. He he offers him a, a dollar to, to get some something to eat or something. Oh, I don't uh, alcohol. Yeah, that's right. Alcoholic bliss. Yeah, because he basically says that, you know, you, do, you don't have to be homeless. You, you're just, uh, you know, it's like what you choose or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're not looking for food or, you know, you're just looking for alcoholic bliss and all this stuff. Yeah, he, he's a real jerk to him. And by the way, you know, if you are homeless and you do drink, I don't, first of all, I don't know how you're listening to this if you're homeless. But if you are homeless and you do drink, I, I get it. Because if I had no home and I was sleeping outside all the time, I'd probably want something to uh, dull the pain. Right? Um, so he's, he's walking out and then stops and decides to answer the question. Mm -hmm. And he explains that what makes the Constitution, you know, better than what they came from is that the Founding Fathers knew that they did not know everything and that they put in the safeguards to, um, to, change it. to, to make changes yeah. so that you know, no matter what happens, it can be changed. Yeah, it's a great scene in the movie and a very well-thought-out argument. Uh, you know, the, one of the best lines of it, I think, is you know, he says uh, that they knew one thing that all great men should know that they don't know everything mm -hmm. and they're not they're not going to get everything right there are things that they'll forget there are things that they will leave out and they made sure that there was a way to change it to fix any mistakes that they make and that's the beauty of the 
of the American Constitution. Yeah, he does a fantastic job. He's obviously very bright. Yeah, and and he and you know I I said too before. I don't know if you heard me when we were watching in the theater, but I I tried not to. But I said I said before he said that I when he said what's you know what's the thing that makes the Constitution different? I said it can be changed. Yes, you're also very bright, dear. <laughs> um. So. What happens next? Okay, so Monty leaves and he's no, trying no, no, to... no, yeah. no. The one dude leaves. Joe Pesci leaves. Yeah, but Monty follows him. Yeah, he's looking for where he is, and he doesn't find no, him. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're wrong. You're too far ahead here. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Oh wait, we're going back. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. We're going back to where we left off. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he's he's looking for him after he left. Yeah. And he can't find him. And then one day, um, a, gu- a guy shows up at the door with this Harvard blanket wrapped around him that he had given to uh, Joe Pesci's character. Isn't that awful? I, I can't remember his name. I can't either. Yeah. Homeless dude. Right. Um, so, he, yeah, he, everyone's left for, for Christmas. Yeah. So he's all alone there. And he lets this homeless guy in. Because he says that um, he told him that he would feed him if he gave him this message. Plus the thesis. He's got the rest oh, of yeah, the thesis. Oh, yeah. He said you'd think Christ died for this. Right. Because he's just like, oh, I'll put it on the table. Like, he doesn't care. Yep. Because we come to find out he started over. Yeah. He's changed his opinions. Yep. Um, so he feeds the guy, and the guy says, okay, he wants, he wants to know where he is. And the guy says, as long as you know that he doesn't want to see you, I'm supposed to say, like, right there, you know it's a lie. Right. I'm supposed to say he's at St. Peter's Shelter. Yep. So, um, and also he read him this this um, eloquent message, message. That, that Joe Pesci had for him. Now, I almost thought maybe this was like Walt Whitman quotes again or something, but I think it's actually supposed to be from his character, isn't it? I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I, le- I read Leaves of Grass, so I'm not sure. But anyway, it was it was nice. <laughs> and, Just basically stop seeing through the eyes of the dead and things like that. Yeah. See see through, you know, your own eyes. Like basically saying, you know, wake up. Yep. Wake up and look. Um, so he goes to try to find him. And uh he knocks on the door of the church and they're like, There's no shelter here. The uh, closest thing to a shelter we have is that alley across the street. So Which can... is shitty that they know about it and they're doing nothing about it. Right, great church. <laughs> right. So he goes and he, he finds him sick, 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 can barely breathe, yep. and takes him home and sets him up in Baz's old room, their roommate Baz. Who, the one that left the van. Yeah, Baz went to Bali, by golly. Um, so then he uh, he says, you know, what, what's our deal? And Joe Pesci says that to right. Brendan Frazier. And he says, we don't need to have a deal. And he said, I, I need to have a deal. <laughs> so he then decides he will go get the social security because he wants to be able to contribute if they're going to let him live there. Right. So when everybody comes home from Christmas break, this is a great scene. And I will, will you tell it? Because I think you'll do better than me. About what? I don't know what you're talking about. When he's in the bathroom. And... Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, while they're gone for Thanksgiving, because this is Thanksgiving slash Christmas break, uh, he makes... He makes a bird for for them for, uh, for yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, for Christmas. It was Christmas dinner. Or Christmas dinner? Okay. Yeah. So Joe Pesci cooks and 
Brendan Fraser's like, wow, you must be feeling better. Oh, first of all, he makes some promise too. Cause he's, he's having trouble breathing and everything. He makes some promise, no hospitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says, okay, you know, we'll go to the doctor in the morning and everything. Um, but he makes this Christmas dinner and he's like, oh, this is so good. He's like, you must be feeling better. You had ch- a chance to go out and, and shop and everything. He's like, I didn't shop. He's like, the hardest thing was the plucking. <laughs> he realizes that he has murdered the rooster that the one guy was using in his radio show. Corky. And yeah, and uh, that's what they're eating. So Brendan Fraser spits it out, <laughs> even though he said it was delicious. Um, I'd still be in it. Yeah, I mean, it's dead. Yeah, why, why make it be a waste? But anyway, so when they went to the doctor, the doctor explained that when Joe Pesci worked in the Merchant Marines, which is something he talked about, that he was in the Merchant Marines, that uh, they there was asbestos when they built the boats and asbestos in the engine room on the boats. And they breathed it in. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, they got... Uh, Basically, asbestos poisoning, I believe it's called mesothelioma. Yeah. It's a uh, condition where your lungs fill with uh, asbestos particles and you can't get rid of it. Your lungs can't, your body can't expel it. And it basically just hinders your ability to breathe over the course of years until you die. I think median latency is something like 29 years or something like that. So, uh, you know, basically it, it... kills you if you get enough exposure to it it kills you in like 29 years yeah so we, we know now he's he's dying like yeah, he it's asked, a death sentence yeah he asked the doctor you know what can we do and she's like just keep him comfortable yeah there's nothing eventually what happens is they either can't breathe anymore or the strain on their heart causes cardiac arrest and that's you, you just die there's no cure for it yeah it's very sad so so when they when they all come back Joe Pesci's in the bathroom and that asshole comes in <laughs> and sees him and says, what, you know, uh, holy shit. I think he says, holy yeah. shit. And, um, Joe Pesci kind of stands up. He's got a newspaper to cover himself, but he's, he kind of stands up, looks down and he goes, no, it looks just like the ordinary guy yeah, to the me. Regular garden variety. Uh, so he says to Brendan Fraser, what's, what's, what is he doing here? And he says, uh, you know, he's the new boss and everything. And then he comes out of the bathroom and, you know, uh, everyone's kind of shocked and everything. He's like, yeah, I'm the new boss, you know, and, and everything. And they're like, you know, the asshole's like, I told you, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave, you know, and everything because, you know, I'm not supporting this guy and all this stuff. And Brendan Fraser says he's paying his own his own share. Uh, he you know he went to Social Security. He's paying uh, rent now, and he'll pay your share too if you leave. So go ahead and leave. You know because everyone kind of hates this guy. Yeah, anyway. he's a jerk. So everyone else is like, oh cool, you know, and they start they shake his hands and everything, and they're like, which he has not washed, right? And they're like, you know, they're all fine with it and everything. The asshole goes into the bathroom. He's like, oh, he didn't even flush, <laughs> and then. Patrick Dempsey uh, had gone into his room. He comes out with the empty cage and he says, I have a grievance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so but he wasn't really mad. No, not really. Not, I mean, not as mad as you would think for this pet that he's had. Because what did he say after that? Because he didn't even, he lifts the cage. He says, I have a grievance. Yeah. But then he said something entirely different. I think it just cuts. Yeah. I no, that- no. He said, um, 
I, I'm, I'm out of wine or something like that. It was a, like something oh, different. Yeah, he said he says you didn't fix the van, and yeah. uh, and he said yeah, I ran out of wine. That was it. Yep. So, because he because he told him he had come earlier and said that he would give him uh, nine bottles of wine to fix the van. Mm-hmm. So anyway. So we cut and it's sort of, it becomes like a montage almost yeah. where you see everyone except the asshole kind of becoming closer to Joe Pesci's character. Joe Pesci goes on the radio with Patrick Dempsey and they, they have a back and forth, um, you know, just different things. Uh, Brendan Fraser's working hard on his new dissertation uh, with the new ideas. And, um, you know, at one point Joe Pesci's lying on the couch uh, with his head in Moira's lap. Moira Kelly, yeah. yeah. Moira Kelly's lap as they're watching TV and stuff <laughs> like that. So, you know, obviously they're all kind of getting closer and everything. And um, he he fixes the van, mm-hmm. you know, and gets the van to run and everything. Winter has, you know, fall, yeah, fallen spring. away. It's become spring now. It's not nicer out. And, you know, they've just, they've had a nice time living together, basically. And... There are two things that happen, two kind of culminating events. Um, the uh, the asshole Josh or John or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. yeah, come Jeff. Jeff comes in, and it's breakfast time. He sees that Joe Pesci's made French toast. He's like, "Oh, is it French toast? I love French toast." And he's like, "Well, I, you know, I have some and everything." And he just looks. He's like, nah, "I'd rather not," you know, because he because the bum because oh. you know, the bum made it. No, that's not what he says. He says he loves French toast. And Joe Pesci says, even if it's made by my hands. Oh, yeah. And then he hands him the plate and he sits down and starts to eat it. No, he doesn't. He does. He does not eat it right away. Not right away. He says no. And he's looking in the fridge and he goes, what kind of doctor are you going to be? And that's when he says gynecologist. And he goes, oh, that, that makes sense because that's the only way, you know, you'd get uh, a pretty young thing to drop her uh dress for you or whatever is to be a gynecologist and then he says do you know why everyone hates you and you know he uh he's like you know gets taken aback by that and he says because you feel how i look mm-hmm. and then he sits down and starts eating the french toast after that and that's sort of their bonding moment yeah uh so that's that's kind of how they get close together and then there's a party some big, uh, you know, uh, Harvard party mm-hmm. that's going to have a Harvard party that's going <laughs> to happen. And they yeah, the, the DJ gets some invitations, but he can only get enough for, a, you know, a few people. He gets two invitations and they each allow one person with a guest. Right. So so he's taking somebody. I don't remember. Brendan. He, he has his own. Okay. So he has his own. Well. Right. I'm trying to think. So yeah, I guess he I guess he has his own and he got and he got two and there's four people there. Right. So he gives one to Moira and she's gonna take she keeps talking about this guy that she's face. that she's been dating, uh, that they're very on again, off again mm-hmm. relationship. And Brendan Fraser gets one and so Jeff, the asshole, says well, you know, he'll take me because he doesn't have a date or anything. And he says, No, I already got a date and he's taking He's taking the bum with him. He's yeah. taking Joe Simon. Pe- Simon. Yeah, he's taking Simon with him. Joe Pesci's character. So 
you know, uh, Moira feels bad for him. She says, I'll take you, you know, instead of, even though it's weird because she does, her boyfriend is there as well. Well, she said, what she says, first of all, he's not really her boyfriend because she, she's always talking about like, well, I'll have to make up with him again. Yeah. Um, On again, off again, like I said. But, um, she said the face can fend for himself and they did. Apparently. Somebody brought him or he got his own invitations. Right. But anyway, so, uh, it's revealed that it's a pajama party. Mm -hmm. So they all go, they're all in their pajamas. You know, she gets to wear some like frilly nightgown. It wasn't really frilly, but yeah. Type thing. Well, it's a, it's a skimpy lingerie type thing. So they're at the party. Brendan Fraser's kind of staring at her dance with this dude. And Joe Pesci notices Mm -hmm. that he's staring and he says, you know, you love her and everything says, you know, that's like the greatest thing in the world and all this stuff. And, and he says, you know, go talk to her. And he, like, he gives this eloquent speech. There's a lot of eloquence in this movie. We can't do it justice. You guys just got to go see it. But he gives this eloquent speech about how he should talk to her and everything. And then this girl that's standing behind the door comes out and says, hey, do you want to dance? Like she was obviously impressed by this thing. And Brendan Fraser's like, oh, I don't know if you should. And he's like, let's forget the dying for right now. Because <laughs> it's a very attractive woman he wants to dance right. with. So they go and dance, and she gets into a fight with this guy. She says, Moira Kelly's character. She says some, something along the lines of always trying to control me or tell me what to do, stuff like that. She mm-hmm. doesn't like that. So she storms out, and Brendan Fraser goes after her and ends up kissing her. And she's like, Well, what are you doing? And he says, I'm destroying our friendship. No, I'm ending our friendship. <laughs> our friendship, yeah. They end up sleeping together. We don't really see what happens to everyone else at the party. I'm just going to assume that Joe Pesci slept with that co ed. Right. Um. So. Yeah, maybe that's why he has a rough night. <laughs> yeah, he ends up. Uh, they hear this thump because he's like falling out of the bed and crawling on the floor. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he says, "I didn't want to die alone." It's so sad. Ugh. So he also tells a story later about his dog and how his dog went off into the woods when it was going to die, lay on a pile of leaves, and no one could get the dog to move uh, because it wanted to die alone. And, you know. Like, that's something dogs do. Mm-hmm. A lot of dogs will do that. Well, they'll go off to be alone to die when they know they're going to die. But anyway, so, you know, she wants to take him to the hospital. And Brendan Fraser says, no, I promise no hospitals and everything. So they don't. Uh, they just kind of, you know, they help him, uh, you know, um, convalesce, basically. Mm-hmm. And they they talk to him. I think this is the point where they ask him kind of what he wants. Yeah, he says he wants to go see his son. It's revealed a little earlier in the movie that he left his... Because he's writing his obituary. Yeah. He's writing his obituary out. And, you know, his obituary is basically that he met this girl in 1963. They fell in love. They had a son. And then he left in 1963. Or 64, yeah, to join the Merchant Marines. And left his family, which is the same thing that happened to Brendan Fraser's family. His dad left them mm-hmm. and never came back when he was like five. Um, so Brendan Fraser says, I think it's supposed to be things you're proud of. And he goes, I thought it was just supposed to be facts. But anyway, so they ask him what he wants to do. And he wants to see his son for once. And he was born in Maine. His his son still lives in Maine, which is, it's somewhat close to, to, to uh, Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... You know, it's a drive. It's a drive, but it's it's a doable drive in a day. Now, here's where like kind of the the title of the movie comes into play. Here, we, we need to note this is that Brendan Fraser's 
um, thesis is due. Yeah, that day. That day. And he does not turn it in. He prioritizes taking him to see his son. Yeah, he wants to... If he if he if he's late, he can't graduate with honors. Right. And, and like, Jeff, the, you know, annoying guy, he's all like, but what's going to happen? And, you know, he's all freaking out. And he's, and, and he's like, I don't care. I'm going. So he's like, well, can I come? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he realizes how important this is. So it's kind of a, a moment for his character, too. Yeah, so they all go to to see this son in Maine. Still have no idea how he found him. Right. And they, I guess maybe he was in the book. I don't know. But, uh, so they, they go there and he doesn't want to see him. Obviously he's pissed off and he says, you know, just, he's dying. Like he explains to him that he's dying. All he wants to do is see him once. Just see him. You don't even have to talk to him kind of thing. So he goes and see, he goes to the van, he sees him and, you know, they have a moment together where he says, oh, you look good, you know, and everything. And he, the son is like, what do you want? No, the son's response to that is, yeah, well, you don't look like much. Right. Oh. And he says, well, I, it's hard to blame him. Yeah, but he's dying. I don't know. I think I'd be a little nicer. Well, I don't, it's hard to say because, you know, not being in that situation. Right. But we're seeing the movie through Simon and Brendan Fraser's eyes, so... Yeah. Obviously, we identify more with them. If the movie had been from a different point of view, if this guy whose d- dad had abandoned him and all the crap that he went through emotionally and everything because of that, right? You know, it might if we we'd identify with him, right? But anyway, so you know, he he basically says, um, you know, what do you want from me? And he says, you know, I just wanted to to look at you and everything, and and you know, he says, well, fine, you've looked, you know, and then his daughter comes out. <laughs> And his daughter's like, who's that, daddy? And he goes, it's nobody. Basically, it's yep. a, another dagger. So he picks her up and, you know, they go back into the house. And it was established earlier. Uh, Simon, Joe Pesci's character, has a sack of rocks. Mm-hmm. And he says that he picks up a rock wherever he is. He's and, a collector of memories. Yeah, and that it, it, each rock holds a memory, and when he holds it in his hand, he's back to that place, uh, whether it's Bali, because he's been to Bali in the Merchant Marines. He's got a little quartz, like, crystal one that's uh, that represents the love of his life, which I assume is his wife. Who knows? Um, Obviously, I, I would think it's not. Really? Because you wouldn't leave like that if that was the love of your life. Well, we don't know. Ex- it's never exactly explained why he leaves. Yeah. Um, Skio, he might have been scared, afraid of the responsibility. I mean, there's lots of reasons why someone might do it, so I don't know. But he ends up picking up a rock outside of the uh, the son's house and putting it in his bag. And then they drive, and at some point he says, stop, stop here. Stop the car. So they stop the van, and he gets out, and he goes off into the field. And Brendan, and he's, you know, he's he's can't like- hardly can't hardly breathe yeah you know and everything and brendan fraser comes out and he grabs him and he says you're not a dog you're not a dog you know like you know he doesn't want him to go off to be alone to die it's really it's like now that he's seen his now that he's seen his son it's like he's ready to die at this point um but yeah he says you know you're not a dog he's he's finally seen him as a person yeah so they uh, they get into the van. They take him back home. He basically the rest of the movie is laying in the room, and they're reading him passages from *Leaps of Grass* by by Walt Whitman. Everyone at the the uh, college uh, assumed he was Walt Whitman's ghost. Yeah, he does look a lot like Walt Whitman because of the beard. So, 
Anyway, so they, um, you know, they read to him and everything, and then he ends up dying. Uh, there's a scene of the funeral. He, uh, you know, then Brendan Fraser turns in his dissertation, and he's talking to Gore Vidal, and he says, you know, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, I had to write what I believe, you know, mm-hmm. what my beliefs are. You know, I know that it's it's not what you want, you know, and everything. Do you, are you going to get another? Do you want to withdraw as my as my sponsor or whatever advisor and he says uh, he says no you know he says i think it uh, took a lot of courage to you know write something like this he's like yeah i don't agree with it he's like lots of people don't agree with what i think though. right um he's like uh, you know so i thought i think it t- took a lot of courage my only regret is that because it's late you can't graduate with honors um and so then they show the graduation everyone stands up some of them are Magna cum laude. Some of them are summa cum laude, uh, and you know the, a few. He's, yeah, yeah, a few just have their red, names read, and his is one that just has his name read because he didn't graduate with honors because he didn't turn it in in time. And then they walk out of uh, Harvard, and he picks up a rock and yeah. tosses it up in the air, and and you know is going to keep it for for this memory. And then the movie is over, and I think the implication is that. You know, he did graduate with honors because he got more of an education doing things this way than he would have, you know, the other way. He became a much more well-rounded, caring person. So what did you think of the movie? I love this movie. Um, I I mean, I was sobbing in the theater. I I was really touched by it. But, you know, I mean, I've got the different filter because, you know, I've lost people, so death kind of triggers me more mm-hmm. um but I, I it just it inspired me um i i love the i'm a collector of memories i i want to read leaves of grass now like i i don't know i mean it's just there's so much about the movie that touches me emotionally um it's just it's a very emotional movie i think it was a really good movie i think there were some minor pacing issues with the film i think there are areas of the film that run a little slow than other areas of the film where I think I think some of the bonding stuff when he moves in is a little rushed through because it's a good way into the movie and I think you know doing the montage and everything is a, is a way to sort of get around it but I think it's a little rushed because I think the beginning of the movie is a little slower so I think there's some minor pacing issues that it didn't really throw things off for me it's not a big deal mm-hmm. but if i had a criticism it's it, it would be that okay but tone wise uh you know cinematography uh the acting and all that stuff i thought were all were all top notch um i think that you know it's a really good movie that that definitely does uh resonate emotionally with with a lot of different people is this is this joe pesci's best uh acting performance since my cousin Vinny? Um, I, I think so, but I mean, it's just, you know, I also really love the movie and I haven't seen that many movies that he's been in. I, uh, I know he's been in Goodfellas. Okay. I haven't seen that. And My Cousin Vinny and Home Alone. Oh, uh, well, Home Alone is definitely not. Well, Home Alone is not like, hey, an acting tour de force. It's a comedic performance. Right. And My Cousin Vinny is a comedic performance too, but there are other there are other notes that he hits in that movie. That's kind of why I equate it to to this film. He's very funny in this movie. 
but he hits obviously more serious tones. It's a very uh, nuanced and varied performance, and I think that's I think that's very uh, a good thing about it. So yeah, I think I think this is this is one of his best performances. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Any more to say about uh, about it? No, I, I I think we've covered it pretty well, don't you? Yeah, I think so. So we will move to our blockbuster pick of the week for this week. And uh, our blockbuster pick of the week is... Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, we, we've talked about it on a previous uh, program, but now it is available to rent. If you don't have that tape, try to track it down from somebody and check out uh, the one where we talk about Mrs. Doubtfire. But this is a fantastic film. Yep, definitely. definitely worth going to Blockbuster to check out. Yeah, I mean, it was worth seeing in the theater, but if you missed out, go go see it now. And if you just want to rewatch it, it's definitely worth a rewatch, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing that, that came out is a movie called Batman Mask of the Phantasm. I'm not sure how familiar people are with the uh, Batman the Animated Series. It's a show that, that I've, I've watched. I really like it. Uh, I think that Kevin Conroy, who does the voice of Batman, is fantastic as the voice of Batman. And Mark Hamill might be, you know, uh, Star Wars is Mark Hamill. A lot of people don't realize this, but he plays the voice of the Joker oh. in Batman the Animated Series. And he might be the best Joker. That's awesome. Uh, but he's, he's you know, fan- their, their uh, voice acting is fantastic. This was a... Uh, a it's it's not really an episode it's a movie it's but it's it's based off Batman the animated series that they released into theaters last year it didn't do super well in theaters not a ton of people saw it but it is a pretty good uh film it's one that I would definitely uh check out if uh if I were you and yeah I mean if you like Batman the animated series you should you should like this yeah So that is our show for the week. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to our show. You can, uh, you know, leave some money in Carol's locker if you want to support the show. You can... No change. You can... uh, You can leave a a note for us in uh, my locker. You can, you know, check out the band room if you want to hear any of our stuff there. Uh, You know, just all all the other things that you want to do. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye.